Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Uh, let me introduce these guys to you, all right? Because these are two of our uh, awesome, awesome church planting partners right here. And uh, Matt Kendrick right here, Redemption City Church in Fort Worth, Texas. All right, many of you have already been out there to see him and serve that church. Uh, Dane Helsing right here uh, in Belmont, which is North Cambridge, um, Boston, greater Boston area, at Beacon Community Church. And so we are so excited to have them. Aren't you glad that they came over this morning? Uh, these are not only just dear uh, friends uh, personally, but man, these guys are just brothers uh, in the faith, uh, brothers in Christ that uh, the Lord has just grown a, a love uh, within me for them. I'm not sure uh, if y'all have a love for me, but I have a love for them, definitely, okay? But um, hey, I want y'all, I want, I want them to know your families, know the church, so uh, we start with you first, so let's keep it the same or go different? Yeah, you defer. Matt Kendrick, go first. Michael, I love you too. All right, good. Thank you. Uh, hey, I'm Matt. So one wife, three kids. My wife is Courtney. Which, uh, by the way, you said that in the first service. Yeah. And I, and I tried to make sure because I think he first said, we're going to have to go back on the game film. I'm pretty sure he said three wives, one kid. I don't think so. It doesn't sound like that. Okay, sound like I'm me. just saying, uh, you just got to be careful with that. Continue. Uh, so, yeah, one wife, three kids. Sure okay. that. So Courtney is my wife, and uh, our kids are 10, 9, and 4. Uh, Taylor, Cole, and Judah, and uh, yeah, living it up in Fort Worth, Texas. All right, how long have y'all been in Fort Worth now? Moved back two years ago, and our church just turned one a couple of months ago. Okay, awesome. All right, Dane, tell us about your family. I'm married to my wife, Laura, uh, 18 years this past August. Uh, we have three kids, uh, Cecile, she's a third grade girl. Uh, I have a son named Soren, he's five in kindergarten, and I have a one-year-old uh, named Dane as well. So we're, we're grateful for you, glad to be here today. Dane Jr. That's right. All right, do y'all call him DJ? We don't, that was a, a former boyfriend of my my. Oh, that's out of here, that's out of here. So we avoid DJ. <laughs> That's actually funny. Uh, it's funny. My wife and I have had those same conversations when we were naming children. Uh, anyways. Um, Tell us more. No, no, no. Let's Another move time. on. Uh, this didn't happen in the first service. All right. So I'm, I'm blaming you, Dane. Uh, so uh, we know uh, church planning is a part of our culture here at Green Acres. Uh mainly because we are a church plant. Um, we started uh, in 1955 uh, as a church plant from First Baptist Tyler. First Baptist Tyler sent out 297 members to come and plant a church all the way out in the boondocks of Tyler, Texas, okay? And uh, it's kind of funny uh, because this was kind of out in the sticks, out in the country. Uh, some of you, we, you know, we still have charter members in our church, all right? And so, okay, we're going to do a test. I, don't, I haven't seen uh, anybody here, but if you were a charter member or, let's do this, if your mom or dad was a charter member, will you stand up? Come on, there's got to be. Yes, here we go. Wow. All right, there we go. Man, I love that. Uh, I think we had some in the 830 service, and I didn't do that. All right, so I'll have to do it uh, another time. But I, I think it's incredible because we have such a healthy start of a church to continue that legacy as a church-planting church. 
And, you know, uh, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus leaves us with this. In Matthew chapter 28, um, verse 16 uh, through 20, uh, did y'all notice how long it took me to get there in the first service? Um, of course you didn't. All right, Matthew 28, verse 16 says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, uh, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So most likely, if you've been in church for any portion of your life, you've heard this great commission for Jesus. He tells us, go therefore and make disciples, which by the way, um, that in the Greek is the only imperative, make disciples, meaning the only command that you and I are left with from Jesus. The one thing that he said that we are to be about as a church is to make disciples. And we talked about this earlier, but the only way that the great commission that we see uh, going forth from the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, you think about never uh, did God give a, a command and intend it to be done in isolation. Did y'all ever know that? I mean, I think it's incredible. Adam had Eve. Uh, Abraham, it wasn't just intended for Abraham, but his descendants, Noah, it wasn't just Noah that was saved. And I do know that I got them out of order, by the way. But uh, it was Noah and his family, Right? And um, I, for us, we are given this command, uh, go and make disciples. And it's not just you, and yes, it is you individually, but it is us as the church. And so we must understand that in order for the Great Commission uh, to go forth and for the kingdom to advance, we have to start new churches. All right, anything to correct or add to that from you guys? No, I think that that's perfect. And then I... All throughout the New Testament, we then see the work, as that works out, it's churches then planting churches. You know, all kind of instances in the scriptures. Acts 8, Philip preaches the gospel to the church in Jerusalem, the new church, and then he says, now go to the villages of Samaria and preach the gospel. And then they planted churches in Samaria. Then Acts 11, we see they send out uh, Timothy and Barnabas. Barnabas. They send out Barnabas. Okay. Okay. He, and, he does know the Bible, I promise. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Word association helps. <laughs> so the, in Acts 11, the, the church in Jerusalem sends out Barnabas to Antioch to start a new church. And so that's over and over in the scriptures where uh, churches plant churches. And kind of all throughout history, uh, we've messed that up. And so organizations kind of grow, denominations grow, and then they start, they go, we're the experts. We're going to plant churches. Like even in our own camp, the North American Mission Board kind of got ahead of their skis a few decades ago, and they started planting churches, and the success rate went way down when they went away from the biblical pattern, which is churches sending out people and planting churches. And so that they've corrected that. Now, one of the things that North American Mission Board says all the time is we don't plant churches, but churches plant churches. And so, and the success rate has gone up exponentially as they've gone back to the biblical model. And so, uh, yeah, so we, that that's the biblical thing over and over is... Uh, reach the lost, make disciples, send out leaders who plant churches. That's right. Yeah, and I would just add to that, Matt, as you continue on in Acts, in Acts chapter 13, 
the church in Antioch, as they're worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit moves and, and says this, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, Barnabas and Saul are the, the two key leaders in the church at Antioch. And, and if you're in that worship gathering, you might be saying, are you sure, Holy Spirit? These are, this is the A team, and they sacrificially send these men, they send their best to then plant churches all across the Roman Empire, Asia Minor. Uh, so it's, it's, it's sacrificial yeah. to plant churches, both people, prayers, uh, finances. It's, it's self-giving for right. churches. Uh, that's so good. And, uh, you know, in Acts chapter 15, you know, to continue that story, uh, we see that the, the church planting relationship doesn't end. Uh, because what we see in Acts chapter 15 is then, um, uh, uh, who was it? Now I don't know the Bible. Um, Paul. It was Paul and uh, Barnabas. Thank you. Um, uh, th- they said, uh, they were talking about the, the churches in Jerusalem and surrounding areas that they were going to visit because they're going back to visit the churches that they started. Uh, they're going back to visit the churches that were planted from their labor and from their efforts. And it says this, they, they say, go and see how they are doing. I, I love that so much uh, because of all the, it, it's so non-metrical, right? It's, it's this um, idea of uh, this high spiritual understanding of, hey, go and check in on your brothers and sisters, uh, we helped start this. Um, we're going to continue to strengthen them. Go and see how they are doing. I love that because he never says, he says, hey, I want you to go check in on them and see uh, what their worship attendance is. Hey, I, don't, I, I want you to go and see how many people they've baptized. All those things are really good. Those metrics are necessary and they're needed for us, but that's not what they're told to do. They're, go, they're told to see how they're doing. And I love the relationship because it, church planting requires relationships. It requires a network of brothers and sisters uh, who are committed to the same thing, and that is to make Jesus known. Uh, so I, I know that um, we're, we're kind of dancing around this, but I do want them to understand your context a little bit better. So Dane, I, why don't you explain to us uh, you know, about Beacon, where it's located. Tell us a little bit about Belmont so that we can understand kind of what your challenges are. So, so we're right in the heart of New England, um, seven miles west of the city of Boston. Um, I would describe it as post-Christian or post-Roman Catholic. So there's, uh, there is church background there, but a lot, a lot of these friends are just so, uh, disenfranchised from the church because of the things that have gone on um, in organized religion. And so when they meet me or one from our team, they immediately have suspicion of the word church or, or Jesus or organized yeah. religion. So we're working really hard, working really hard to build relationships with them. We pass out free Starbucks coffee at the commuter rail stations. A lot of people commute into Boston and Cambridge from our town. And so we're just there to be a loving witness, say, to how you open the service. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And his name is Jesus and he Amen. loves you and he can change your life. So we're trying to build trust with people who are deeply distrustful of organized religion. Yeah. You know, one of the things Matt and I both share this, uh, Matt and I started uh, leading trips to Boston. Uh, Dane, you told me earlier, how long ago was that? For for me, it was 10, 10 years, 10 yeah, years Matt ago, before. Matt, a little bit before that. And, uh, and, 
I learned almost for the first time, it was like a light bulb went on, uh, on in my head that, man, acts of kindness go a long way with evangelism. Um, man, showing compassion, uh, you know, we say this kind of a lot here, compassion and proclamation always run together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really taught that in Boston because uh, we've sent tons of teams up there and we're just passing out free coffee. Uh, and people are so confused by it. They're like, do you want me to pay you for it? And we're like, no, 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 uh, man, you know, here's a card and we invite them to church or anything like that. And they're just so confused that there are no strings attached, right? Uh, in fact, I'll be leading a trip uh, in March uh, to come back and see you. All right. So one of our mission trips, uh, over spring break, but okay. So Matt, tell us about Fort Worth and some of the challenges that you're up against. Yeah. So y'all know Fort Worth is, you know, just a couple hours away. We're in Texas, bunch of ranches and cowboys. It's all, yeah, you know, that's right. that's <laughs> so I think the surprising thing, even at, you know, kind of even pe- for people in Texas. So Fort Worth, it, you know, aside from that city to the east of us that we don't talk about, we don't need to be honest with you. Dallas. We don't need them. Okay. <laughs> but Fort Worth is now the 13th largest city in the country on its own. It's bigger than Denver and all kinds of places. Okay. And so, so since 2010, Fort Worth has grown by 30%. And in the same time frame, less people go to church. And even in my neighborhood, like my, I live in a new neighborhood. Uh, my neighbors are from New York, Iran, California, places, you know, godless places. Amen. Okay. So, the nations are in New York and California are moving to Fort Worth. And so all of a sudden, what used to be the Bible Belt is not. So uh, we, the people all around us, if, if they're having a trouble in their marriage or they're, they're facing financial hardship, they don't think, I need to get to church. That's the problem. It doesn't even cross their mind. And so especially, it's interesting that the group that, you know, me and Dane being up here, because I learned in Boston as well, just serve people. And so we serve our city with no strings attached. We don't have a subway, so we wash cars. We do all kinds of things around our city that just introduce ourselves to the pe- to, to people in a way that's serving them and, you know, being a value to them and just loving them in a tangible way. So we do similar things, but in our context in Fort Worth. So tell me and help us all to understand, uh, because so many times, um, when you give, uh, you never get to see the impact. Uh, so just in your own ways, would you just tell us what is the importance of partnership? I love talking about this. Cause I mean, so it, what he said earlier, what pastor Michael said earlier, when you give two green acres, you're giving three green acres. We, we see it. We, we feel it all the time. We would not exist without the dollars you've sent. We would not exist without the teams that you sent our second service ever. You know, we were like, 40 people. And so it took all of our adults to do everything. You know, so y'all sent a whole team. They took care of the kids ministry that night. And so we got to actually host all of the guests that we had invited throughout, you know, the previous weeks. And so y'all do so many things like that, that, that are just, you know, so there's guys like us all around the country and world that feel your generosity firsthand. And that, you know, we, we could not do what we're doing without you giving through your church. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Dane? Yeah. So we've, in 2022, have received two mission teams uh, from Green Acres, one in March with several students, and then uh, one in July with more more family-oriented and tremendous boost and encouragement for us. And I I tell the teams, it's pretty simple, but, but what we do is we just, we go on prayer walks. Because God moves as his people pray. And so we just prayer walk the, the, the town. And in March, Samuel Sadler, who's one of your pastors here, uh, we, we were outside. We were praying around a facility that we were renting at that time. So for the past four years, we've been renting a, a two-floor office building. Our, our kids' ministry is on the top. 
and there's another tenant, there was another tenant that was doing massage therapy. And through uh, uh, Craigslist research, they're doing more than massages. And I'll leave it at that. But it's obviously burning our hearts. And so what do we do? We, we just started yeah. praying. Started praying. And that Tuesday, when the, when the Green Acres team came, we were praying. We were just pleading for the Lord to give us an opportunity to buy the building and move these folks out. The very next day, we meet the owner. And I just was moved in that moment. The spirit was just, Dane, you got to ask this guy. you got to ask Dennis to sell you the building. And so I just said, Dennis, we've liked renting from you, but we'd like to buy the building. Would you sell it to us? And he looked at me. He said, we'll sell it to you tomorrow. So it started a conversation. That's incredible. We closed on the property. We closed on the property on October 4th. And it was your generosity, you helped us get to the point where we could put a realistic down payment down on this building. Wow. And so you may not know that, but it was your hard-earned money and giving generously that allowed us to, to, to make that move. And it's a witness to our community. There are neighbors in that place in our neighborhood that said, look, we know the neon lights there. We know what's going on. And our church moved those folks out. So these mm-hmm. are unchurched people thanking our church. for, for that, That's just the witness of the gospel. So. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I've heard so many times, you know, to, that, that one of the most difficult things about church planning is changing the understanding and reputation of Jesus. And man, you guys are doing that in big ways. And I applaud you for it, for your tenacity in the way that you're leading and serving in your communities where God has called you. Uh, so let me, let me ask this, okay, because um, we, we've talked about some partnering and things like that. Um, what would you say is, and you've hinted at it, but what would you say is your most difficult challenge that you're facing in this season of ministry? How much time you got? Um, so, you know, one of the things about church planting is everything is harder. You know, like we, we meet in the YMCA, which is great, but like, and, and I feel guilty this morning, like they were there first thing this morning, setting up, they're tearing down right now. And I'm here in a comfortable chair with you all, right? So everything is more difficult, even having a church service. But I think the, the biggest challenge presented to us, we are running after and trying to see salvations among unchurched and de-churched people, and that's really difficult. And just what I described to you earlier, Jesus isn't on their radar. If they have an impression of church, it is a bad one. And so, yeah, the, the, the biggest challenge facing us is distinguishing Jesus's message from the world's message and getting their attention long enough to share the gospel with them. It's good. So for, we're a seven-year-old church, and God has been gracious and faithful. But I, we we're faced with the temptation of looking inward as opposed to lifting our eyes and looking outward. Even as a seven-year-old church, that's kind of a church plant, but more becoming established. And so, uh, like you all, we're, we're praying that the Lord would give us opportunities to develop leaders and send church planters. And so. Uh, last April, we got to partner with our sending church, which is in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where, where Harvard and MIT and all the schools are. We partnered with Hope Fellowship Church, and we, we started our very first church uh, in Bedford. There's an Air Force base there. And so it's, it's seven months in, and, and it's, it's a challenge, though, to keep helping your people as a pastor lift their eyes and look outward, because as a church, you tend to look inward as you think about you know, facilities and staffing and all this thing, but you have to keep your eyes looking outward. It makes the church healthy and viable to be regularly developing and deploying leaders and members from your church. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you know, Matt, you sent me this quote last week uh, because Dana, it goes right into what you're saying. 
Charles Spurgeon uh, said this, and I would say that he was a part of a pretty established church, okay, from what history tells us. Uh, That was a joke, by the way. All right, you can giggle there, all right? Uh, But he says this, Charles Spurgeon says, we encourage our members to leave us to found other churches. Nay, we seek to persuade them to do it. We ask them to scatter throughout the land uh, to become the goodly seed which God shall bless. I believe that so long as we do this, we shall prosper. I mean, that's what he's talking about, right? He's saying um, that we want to keep sending people out. We don't want to have this complacency within us that, that we're more concerned about what we have to maintain here rather than sending out who, uh, who it really are desperate for leaders around us, right? Desperate um, for uh, whatever help that they can leave. And, and I love what you said earlier, Dane, because um, they, you know, when they were in Acts chapter 12, right? In Acts chapter 13, uh, when they're sending out leaders, who did they send? They sent out Paul and Barnabas. I mean, you're sending out Paul, and then you're sending out the encourager. You're sending out two studs uh, who are central to the leadership of that church. Um, And so when we think about um, us here, um, when we think about, because uh, we've said healthy churches plant healthy churches, Healthy churches have an understanding of what is out there, not just a protection for what's in here. And so when we have our eyes outward facing, um, I call it the church planning mentality, uh, that we need to have this within us, like so many of you already do, but it's hard to maintain that. It's hard to not drip into that place of complacency. So I want to hear from two of our stud church planners. What does it mean when I say um, we need to have a church planning mentality? What does that mean? All right, preach us up right here. So as we're planting, whenever we started, it wasn't just like me and my wife. So three other families moved at the same time that we did from all across the country. There's a, a family that the Jacksons that moved with us. They were in Asheville, North Carolina. He is a physical therapist. She's a nurse. They quit their jobs and got those same jobs in Fort Worth to help us plant and make disciples. And so, and they called it the, the adventure of their lifetime, you know. And so that's on the table for anybody in in God's kingdom, right? To go and be a part of something, even if it's, you know, if if y'all plant another church in Boston or in Fort Worth or even here locally to go and even give six, 12 months of your life before you, or go give the rest of a season or or your life. It's, it's an adventure that, that you can go on and there's nothing like it to go and make disciples as part of a church plant. And so, yeah, I would just encourage you. So the next time or as y'all plant to, to think about, so Finances are crucially important. We wouldn't have made it without you. Sending teams is amazing. The hardest thing, though, is people like serving every week in kids' ministry and inviting people from their jobs locally. That's the biggest thing. And so, uh, you know, maybe even open the conversation within your marriage or your household or, you know, among your friends. The next time we plant, maybe I'll go give six, 12 months or more to be boots on the ground and help plant that church. Man, I would add to that just regularly praying for church planters and church plants. I found myself in 2009 after just graduating seminary at a church planting church and I didn't even know it. I'd never read a book other than the Bible on church planting. I'd never taken a class on church planting. I didn't know anything, but 
I was at this church in Cambridge, Hope Fellowship Church. Both these guys have been there on mission teams and it's just in the water and everybody's drinking it and everybody's praying for church planners and at members meetings, they're bringing in their partners who are telling about their church plant. So the more that you can interact and see the work, the more God will stir your heart. And and my mentor, a, a guy that you know, uh, the pastor of that church, Curtis Cook, he has radical open-handedness. Mm. Instead of holding his people and his church and his resources with a white-knuckle grip, he opens his hand. And so when I was preparing to plant and building a core team, he said, Dane, you can ask anybody in this congregation if they want to go. Anybody, it doesn't matter. Just free poaching license, right? Just yeah. go and ask them. It's just an incredible open-handedness. And I think that's the heart of a church planting church is radical open-handedness. Uh, I want you to know that everyone in East Texas just heard your poaching awesome. deal. All right. So it's perfect <laughs> illustration. All right. When you have an open license, um, you know, because uh, we, we want to maintain for Green Acres, we have a desire that over the next uh, eight years now that we want to have uh, 10 campuses because our campuses function like a church plant. Uh, we have, uh, it's not complete autonomy, but it functions just like a church plant that, that we have live communication. They're its own personality, uh, but they have the, the vertebrae, they have the spine of green acres to help them function and stand up until they can on their own, right? Um, so I want us to pray together on exactly what they're saying. Maybe you're called to Boston. Maybe you're called to our next uh, site. Maybe you're called wherever that is. Uh, but I love when I go and visit uh, these men right here and the churches that God has entrusted to them to lead. I love that every member has such a unique passion for sharing Jesus, for prayer, and for uh, multiplication to exist. And I love that because when I see that, it reminds me so much of you right here at Green Acres. And we want to pour fuel on that to continue of what God is trying to do through you, even to the ends of the earth. And so here's how you can respond today. Um, I want you to think about your response, okay? First of all, it takes you living a life that is completely surrendered to Jesus uh, for multiplication to exist. What does a surrendered life look like? First, it means that you have surrendered your life to Christ for the purpose of salvation, that you have placed your faith in him for your salvation. And from there that you can begin to discern because the spirit of God is in you, you can begin to discern, okay, Lord, what is my next step? Where are you wanting me to go? Where are you wanting me to serve? And then second, you need to be praying. Uh, nothing great of God ever comes apart from prayer in Christ, okay? It begins with prayer. And the third thing is you need to think, how can I give? Did you know that right now uh, we have our world mission offering? And our goal this year is to reach a million dollars. And right now we are 42.8, 43% of the way there. Okay. And so, and, and here's why I bring that up right now, because uh, $250,000, actually, I think it's more, but that's a safe number. $250,000 goes directly to church planting uh, around the world. 
And so you're looking at two guys who are leading churches that are directly benefiting and, and they're in existence because of the way that you are generous. You've heard it from both of them. And then the fourth thing that I'm going to ask you uh, is that you would take that step of faith today. Whatever it is, okay, is it surrender? Uh, it's definitely prayer. And how can you give uh, to see the kingdom uh, continue? All right, will you just join me right now as we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, for your work in us. God, thank you for your work at Green Acres Baptist Church. God, we ask, Lord, that you would continue uh, to move in us. God, do not allow us to become complacent in any area of our life. God, will you keep our eyes focused on what and who is not uh, yet saved? Father, those who are lost around us, Jesus, would you give us your eyes? Would you give us your ears? Would you help us to be sensitive uh, to your spirit's leading? God, I pray right now for Dane. I pray for his family. I pray for Beacon Community Church, God, that you would continue to grow them in depth and knowledge and understanding of you. Um, and God, that they would grow uh, in their relationships with others in that city. God, we pray for Belmont right now. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would bind Satan against him. God, that you would protect them. And Father, that you would continue to grow uh, their impact in that city. Father, I pray for Matt. I pray for Redemption City Church. I pray for their family. God, would you protect them? God, even as uh, they try to parent, as they try to be godly husbands and godly pastors, Lord, we're praying, Lord, that your kingdom would advance in Fort Worth. God, we pray, Lord, that you would use Redemption City to reach people who are lost, who have no idea of who you are. Father, we're asking uh, miraculous things to take place in Belmont and in Fort Worth. Um, God, I'm praying right now, Father, for protection for their families. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would uh, give us here at Green Acres that church planning mindset, the tenacity for soul winning, for discipleship, God, that you would just continue to imprint that within us. And Father, we thank you for entrusting us with your gospel message. God, we know that you would do a way better job of explaining it, but Father, you include us because you love us. And so, Lord, we thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. As you look up, hey, will you give these guys a hand for me? And just thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all for being here. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna to help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, 
We want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.